It is week 13 of the 2022 college football season. This is the We Hate Your Team podcast. I'm Kelly Ford, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Zach King. Kinger, rivalry rivalry week is here. How are we doing? Doing great, man. Last time together for the regular season this year. Crazy how fast this college football season has gone. We talked about it a little bit last week, just Feels like yesterday we were just getting the season kicked off there at the end of September. Here we are, week 13, game 12 for all of our teams. This is the end of the college football season for about 60 teams after this weekend. A lot still on the line. It's going to be a fun Saturday. King, it is the most exciting college football week that we have all year, in my opinion. Nothing gets me more jacked up than rivalry week. But it is also the sadness of knowing, as you just said, at the conclusion of this week, Nearly half of FBS is done playing. Of course, we have conference championships and then the bowl season. But the regular season is what makes college football special, in my opinion, as we talked about before. And as I'll continue to say, this is the culmination of that regular season. It's just incredible across the board. So many great storylines, so many great trophy games. Just the hatred, the respect, all of that mixed in. Not to mention you've got Thanksgiving, so you've got the food, you've got the family, you've got the football. Of course, those are the three Fs. Um, In the Ford household, at least, there's your fourth F for you. Uh, But, King, it's not just us this week. As always, we have a great guest with us. We are so excited to welcome in today the podcast host for the Odds Breakers. We have Kiev O'Neill. Kiev, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Kelly, you obviously have been on my show before. And uh, at the Odds Breakers, we love talking about sports. We love college football. Love your rating system, too. That was a... Great show when we talked all about that. The most deserving in the kind of like the we hate your team type system where it shows you know how many losses teams should have. And uh, and Zach, uh, an honor to be on with you as well. Really excited to talk about some bets at the end of the show, which I like to specialize in. Absolutely, Kip. As you said, you and I have known each other for a while now on Twitter. I've joined your show a couple of times. Kyle Hunter, you do a show with him every week. Our our fans know Kyle Hunter. Uh, He was one of our first guests ever on We Hate Your Team in the 2021 season. So, Kip, if you wouldn't mind, just take a few minutes, share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, about your background. How'd you get started? You say you love talking numbers. you You love betting college football. You love betting sports. How'd you get started in this space? How do you find success in this space and make it something that you're able to do year in and year out? Just take it away and uh, the floor is yours. Well, absolutely. You know, I've always been a football fan and really a sports fan, kind of stemmed from my father, really. He was, it was his pastime watching sports, Chicago sports mainly, being that we're from there and uh, uh, a little from Wisconsin too, more, more close to the border. Later in life, we moved uh, to a border town. But either way, you know, I remember the days sitting on the couch watching the Bears win the Super Bowl back in 85. You know, that, that really got me hooked, especially in a football. I mean, watching the Super Bowl shuffle, are you kidding me? I mean, it's just some of the greatest times of my life. And then, of course, in you know, the Bears start getting worse after time. And then you got the 90s with Michael Jordan. And I, I'll tell you right now, there's probably years that I didn't miss a Bulls game. I'm serious. Every single 82 games. I've watched every single one of them, and that's how good. Kinger loves this. Kinger loves it. I mean, I mean, I was at a lot of games in old Chicago Stadium before the United Center, and then of course I went to a lot of games during the United Center. My dad was fortunate enough to have season tickets, and so we went to playoff games uh, and also some of the top games in the uh, championships. So it was just a life I lived, you know, sports, and uh, didn't really start betting on it until. 
probably a little after college, maybe even a little bit during college. See, the internet started blowing up when I was in college in the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, yeah, I started going to Vegas. I think my first time traveling to Vegas was the first year I started sports playing, which was like 2003. And really liked it. You know, it was just, I love the edge. I love, I love the thought process behind why teams should win. The cool thing about sports betting is that it's not just analytical. There's, it's creative. It's an art and a science together. And if you don't apply both, you might not be successful. You know, there's just certain situations where teams just win in certain ways. We just talked about Purdue versus Wisconsin, you know, in football, it's just one of those things, you know, it, it almost, it almost doesn't even matter. And also in certain situations and certain teams are in bad spots, you can kind of sniff those out, you know, the power rings, throw them out. It doesn't matter. Right. Vanderbilt versus Florida, for example, last week, we were really happy about our Vandy money line win. You know, so it's just, it's just so fun. You know, it, it takes both. And that's why I laugh when I see all these, um, People saying, you know, the metrics completely predict it's going to be like this. It's more than metrics. There's a, the art, it's part two. But, you know, that's what made, got me brought into sports betting. So since 2003, I'm, I'm sitting there on sportsbook.com. And this is before sportsbook went to sportsbook.ag. This is years ago. This is with Bodog, you know, before it became Bovada, you know. And and I'm betting on these sites. And it's funny. And it's, you had a... It took forever if you ever request to pay out, like two or three months, and you just wonder if you're getting screwed all the time. I, I poker was getting big back then online, and it was just it was just fun, you know. It, it put a little extra into the games I sat around watching during the weekend, drinking beers with my boys, you know. And and uh, you know, probably first couple of years, I was probably lucky more than anything, and you know, I ended up winning. And then after that, I slumped, and uh, you know, I was wondering why. I think I had the beginner's luck. And that happens, you know, and you're wondering why. But, you know, instead of just quitting, I was betting small amounts to not, like, it, have it affect me. $5 a game, $10 a game. I mean, this is just right when I'm out of college here, you know. And um, so, you know, I wanted to figure out why and get better at it. So it really wasn't until probably 2010, 2012, where I started developing more power rating systems and finding them online with some of the earlier sites like Team Rankings and other ones. And then I started listening to podcasts about it as well. And, you know, I, there's just been so many times where I listened to some of the very early sports betting podcasts and shows. I quit listening to sports radio because there's over 50% of the time is commercials or them talking about the local dealership or something like that. I got sick of that. And plus, these guys really didn't have a clue when it comes to sports betting. You know, it doesn't matter how much you know about the sport. Betting is more... Um, artistic, like I said, and you have to make decisions with, within the numbers. So, uh, you know, I, I listened to the early shows like Bang the Book with Adam Burke and uh, Gil Alexander, um, now over on VEASAN, and this is before VEASAN. I used to listen to the shows like that and just hunt for sports betting shows, and some of them aren't, don't even air no more. But, you know, back in 2016, I was like, I can do this. I want to talk about sports. I want to do this. I started with nothing and kind of created my own website. I knew a few people in Vegas at sports, but not a lot. And then uh, I say, you know, I used to be in Vegas a lot back then too, but I developed a website and, you know, got some help with that and developed the Twitter account and podcast and just started talking about it. But the good thing was I was before 99.9% .9 of sports betting shows Early 2017, nobody was really podcasting yet. Even though people have been doing it since 2013, it just didn't blow up until 2018, 19, 20. And so the fact that I got ahead of a curve, 
I was reaching out to bigger names in the industry and they would say, sure, I love talking about sports. And so I would get them and I kind of uh, organically grew it a lot faster because people like me back in 2014, 15, searching for sports betting shows, my show was coming up on top SEO wise, you know, and uh, it's been wonderful, a wonderful journey. And uh, I learned a lot from the big guests that I have, the people that pretty much run sports betting in Vegas and I become friends with them, you know, and, and even to this day, I'm really good friends with many of them. And, um, I look at myself as just a great gatherer of information. You know, I, I have guys that are on the podcast that are extremely sharp and, um, I, I love getting perspectives and I learn from all of them. You know, I, I learn every day. I, I make mistakes like any human being, but, um, the important thing is I keep growing and keep learning. And I think just having some of the, the people that study it for a living sit in front of odd screens for 12 to 16 hours has helped me become a better, better, you know? And so um, just having the best on my show has made my passion a reality. And uh, I love it. That is so cool to hear you talk about that, Kiev, and share your story. So many things in there stuck out to me. Um, first and foremost, you said it a couple times, betting college football or otherwise it's an art and a science i think i've got the science part pretty well down with the numbers i need to do a better job of reminding myself and familiarizing myself with the art part as well um so that's why i'm constantly learning trying to be better but you're right it does take both to be successful who kiev since you were kind of at the the front edge of this and a pioneer in the space who has been the person or people that you have kind of, not that you've been starstruck by, but who are some of the biggest names that you've had on the podcast and some of the biggest Vegas personalities that you've gotten to know over the years, given you moved into the space so much earlier than, than many others? Well, that's definitely a great question. There's just so many great people that I have on, and I don't want to rank anybody better than anybody <laughs> else. But you know, I sent you the, up there, I guess. <laughs> some of the more, I mean, some of the more popular people is Chris Felica, the Bear. He's on my show probably once every two months, I would say. He's been coming on since the early days, um, and he, you know, great guy. Of course, he loves his college football, his horse racing. He, every Kentucky Derby, he comes on. We talk about Kentucky Derby, and you know, we text every, not every day, probably every week. We, especially during college football, I'm text, we're texting each other constantly talking about injury. He gets a little better of an injury report than most people do, if you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. uh, I get that uh, sometimes on Saturday mornings when I pick his brain a little bit. But it's fun having him, and uh, he's become a good friend. And uh, Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker has a big show. Uh, uh, you know, even money. He played football. He played for like four, five or six teams in the NFL, the Redskins, uh, the, the uh Patriots, I believe, the Giants, the Giants for sure, just quite a few teams, you know, and uh, from Princeton, and he got big into the sports betting space, and he's, a, you know, one of the head guy, head of media guys at DraftKings, and he, I've been on his show over the last two, three or summers, and he's been on mine over the summers, and of course, he does his with Steve Fezzik, uh, Fez, which is pretty well known in Vegas as well. Las Vegas Chris, he's the, probably the best known contest player in all of Las Vegas, he wins constantly on these contests. He just has the access to so much information and really a fantastic way of handicapping. He's uh, the sharpest guy that I know 
when it comes to uh, sports betting. And Kyle Hunter, of course. I mean, Kyle Hunter, Adam Burke from Bang the Book. That, that's where I really – I reached out to Kyle probably because I listened to Bang the Book, I think. And he, <laughs> he, he might have been one of my first guests. But him, Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk, all the Wager Talk guys, uh, Doc Sports, uh, you know, Tony George and all those guys. I just just a lot of people. <laughs> They're all great. They're all amazing. And I love rotation, you know, just kind of getting them on, you know, hopefully, hopefully trying to get them on two to three times a year is probably where I'm at right now with most of them. Your Rolodex is deep. That is quite the lineup, quite the roster of folks that you can rattle off and say, hey, with one quick text DM call, you can get them on your show. That is fantastic. So cool uh, that you've been able to become friends and make uh, professional connections with all those people who, like you, are established in that industry. So, King, I know this is really up your alley as our resident college football better. Uh, I'm sure you got plenty of questions here for Kiev. Yeah, Kev, I enjoyed hearing that story, and I can relate to a lot of what you just said and how your love of sports just really turned into you pursuing something in the gambling career path and ultimately just going down a track of, of doing something that you love to do. And as a guy that we that Kelly's adjusted the term, right, I was originally the resident betting expert on the show. We've adjusted expectations to our listeners here, right? I'm a guy that loves to gamble. I know a lot about sports and a lot about college football. When it comes to an actual process and refining my process and how to be successful, I'm still learning. And you mentioned listening to all these guests, a lot of these guys that you've referenced, people I know very well in the industry as well. Kelly said Kyle Hunter, some of these other uh, you know professional handicappers that we've had on the show. It's been awesome for me to sit back and learn and try and figure out ways to improve. I had a good year last year. It's not my first year. I've been going about five years now, really taking a step back thus far this year. The road to 500, as me and Kelly have been joking about, has taken a pretty big stall last weekend. But talk to me about that first year you didn't have success. What would you give recommendations as to how did you refine it, right? Where did you start? What was your your initial thoughts to how you're going to get better at this, how to improve as a gambler? Um, I want to learn why I'm making mistakes. The first mistakes that I was making was the same thing as the public was making, really. And this is like back in the 2000s. I was probably betting on the team that looked really good last week. <laughs> you know, and That's probably the opposite of what you should do. You bet what they did. Carrying momentum, yeah, right? It's the yep. opposite. And, and it's just, it's such a sucker bet. And you can almost just fade that every week and be over 53%, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's just such a, it, teams have letdowns. They're never as good as the week before. They're never as bad as the week before, you know? And so that was probably the first thing that I learned, but you know, what I learned is that you have to have a process that what you can do and what you can trust. And, uh, over time, if it's successful, great. And if it's not, then you got to tweak it, but just having a bad two, three weeks, I'm not going to necessarily change my process unless um, it's consistent and I'm really losing long term on it. Then I'm going to definitely find out what's going on. Um, my process is pretty, pretty rock solid with the mix of, like I said, metrics and uh, artistic ways of handicapping. Um, you, you look at trends. You look at the exact power ratings you have if you're a power rated sport. Like college football is very big into power ratings. The NFL, I don't even barely use the power ratings. I use an algorithm for them. I mean, they're all they're a lot more compressed in those ways. And then kind of look at you know how these teams match up 
metrically. For example, if a great running team might just control the time of possession, not allowing that great passing team to even get the ball. I, you know, it, it's those types of things that you dig deep to try to find value in the number because even the most popular power ratings just kind of sets the initial number for the sports books. And then they let the lower limit guys massage the market a little bit. And then once the lower limit guys massage the market properly is when they start raising the limits. And then you'll get some bigger syndicates making hits on the sides of these lines that might still be a little bit loose. And in many situations, they are. There's a lot of situations where I just get ahead of the market. Closing line value is so important. And it isn't on short term because we're so anecdotal. We're like, oh, I had line value on that. I lost. But, you know, you don't really remember the stuff you win that you have line value. on. It's just it, you have to understand it, the more closing line value you have, the more options you have. So um, it, if I like kind of like a side and I think that number is going to move, I hit it right when it comes out on Sunday. You know, for example, um, I knew the Cardinals were going to get smoked. So I didn't want to take the three and a half from last night's game. Um, I Now it's four and a half. Now I can definitely take them and fade the Chargers. You know, it's, it, it's that kind of situation. Same with, uh, you know, the Colts. I took the Colts last week against the Eagles at plus nine because I had the Washington Commanders, uh, and they actually end up winning outright against the Eagles. And that thing moved all the way to six and a half. So it's like it's like it, you you try to get ahead of movement, and if you do that, that's the real success behind sports betting. Absolutely agree with that. And you're mentioning you know not making those bets based off the last week in performance. I struggle. I still I'm getting better at it, but I still let the emotions control me at times. That's the last thing you want to do as a gambler. So would you say then that one losing season, would you say that's really what motivated you right there? That's when you knew I got to figure out a way to get better. At this. this is something I want to do. Or where did you really think you started? I know you mentioned the process. You kind of being the first guy or you were doing this ahead of a lot of people. When did you know this is what I was going to do full time and how this is what I'm going to pursue? Well, I knew I always was going to bet, um, whether it be every sp most. OK, 94. Seven ninety-eight percent of sports bettors have other ways of income. I do as well. It's not like the only thing we do. So, mm -hmm. and and yeah. that could be selling your picks. That could be owning uh, properties and renting them out. That could be even working on a job that allows you to do stuff and have the time to sports. It, there's all types of situations. I knew that I was going to be strong into sports betting in two, probably back in 2016 after I refined my process, but it was more than really a losing year. I, I had multiple losing years probably until I got better at it. Um, it was probably like 2006 through 2012. I was probably a, a total loser. If, if you, if you, if you total everything up, stupid parlays, everything, you know, and then, you know, I started growing it after that. And I even had a, a losing year uh, two years ago. So it's not like it's not uncommon, you know, uh, sports betting is difficult, you know, but, no but it's a pastime, you know, for me, it's like, you know, especially when I was having kids back in 2014 is when I had my first child. It's like, I'm stuck at home watching TV. You know, <laughs> this is what God is going to make me happy yeah. is I get, yeah. I, I'm not out screwing around. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, staying away from home. I'm loving my family. I, I'm able to watch the games. It, it, it was just kind of like a perfect uh, situation for my my situation. And 
um, and, and it worked out really well. So I, I knew I was always going to be involved somewhat, you know. So uh, going full-time podcasting was a fun choice. It does take up a lot of my time. I say, I say just do what you can. Um, I don't envy the professional uh, sports players that rely on it for complete income because they're just sitting in front of an odd screen. They can't do a lot of stuff because they're really just finding ways of meddling yeah. and doing stuff like that. And that's stressful. And uh, for me, it's like I, th I would rather specialize, for example, in the MEAC in basketball rather than try to bet on everything, because at least if you specialize on something, you, you don't have to spend all your time. You, you can do stuff and you can just bet and be better at that segment, conference specialization, things like that. There's a million things you can bet on. And, there, and, and there's more and more sites actually coming up. Uh, you can bet on elections, you can bet on uh, TV shows, everything now. Uh, you don't need to do it all. Just do what you can, have fun with it, and move on with your life is what I say. Balance. Great advice, and you got to find your specific niche to, to hone in on. That's for sure. I think a lot of people could take that advice, myself included. I see you bet. Uh, I see you also do. You said UFC, MLB as well, college football, and college basketball. Just last question for me, then give me rank. What's your favorite sport to watch? Favorite sport to bet on? What's your least favorite? Would you say? Obviously, I'm sure you got love for all of them, but give me, give me a, give me your high <laughs> and your low. College football was the answer for years. For some reason, I'm just getting better at the NFL, and it's uh, it's over. I think it's because of the contests I'm in with the circa and everything, and and I got and my system has just okay. gotten so good in the NFL that um, it's just over past college. I, I I just been much more right actually last two years probably in the NFL before his college football was killing it, just killing it. Uh, college basketball is next. Um, so I guess, I guess like my favorites is college football, college basketball, then NFL, then UFC, then uh, Major League Baseball is probably towards the bottom. MLB, MLB betting is a daily it's, grind. It's a, it's that, a mental those, grind. Those guys, yeah, it is. And it's like. It is. Those guys who do that, it's a different there's level. There's nothing you can do about <laughs> certain situations and. You think they're going to come out? It's, yeah. I, I don't envy NBA betters either. I think that they have to get really creative. I know some people are really good at it. They're just more philosophical. They're more, they're a lot less metric, and uh, they're just more philosophical, and they can understand how these teams match up. But uh, it's for me, uh, baseball is the the low one on the totem pole because you're right. It's a grind, and it's a money line sport, really. And you know, you can get creative and do first fives and. Um, you can go over under on team totals and things like that. So you don't feel like, you know, you get screwed if that other team comes back because your bullpen blows up. You know? So there's different ways of skinning it. But, um, you know, baseball for me, I I've been really good towards the end of the season and not as good in the beginning. So what I've learned just for myself over the years is that lower amounts in the beginning for baseball. Gotcha. Well, I'm with you on the college sports as well. I dabble with it all. But the college football, that's number one for me. College basketball right there, number two. NFL, I've been battling this year, man. I had a good start to the season. The last few weeks has been a struggle for me. But uh, enjoyed hearing about the process. Uh, definitely been uh, insightful to hear another wise gambler's in insight and outlook as to how to approach Thanks. this. Thanks, Zach. 
I, I find it so interesting, Kiev, that you, again, you're very diverse in terms of you're looking at all sorts of different sports, you're, you're involved at different levels and all of them. I find it interesting. You say it's because you really refined your process and it's gotten your, your model, your algorithm has gotten really good in the NFL. That's really impressive to me because with the NFL being the most popular sport in the United States, with college football is actually number two now. I don't know if you guys have seen the most recent polls and everything, but it surpassed all the other sports. College football now the number two most popular sports uh, property in, in the United States, if you will. It's interesting that you've found so much success in there, Kiev, because it's because it's the most popular. It gets the most action. I understand not all of that action is, quote, smart money or sharp money, right? But um, just to have that level, that, that volume of bets in the NFL for you to have that much success, I think that's really impressive. And the thing that you said that stuck with me the most throughout all of that was when you were talking about just find, figure out what it is you, you want to do. Figure out what it is you like. And then go after that. Spend your time doing that, pursuing that. Whether that's gambling, whether that's sports, it doesn't really matter. It's just life. That's just life advice. Figure out what you want to do, and then dedicate your time, energy, resources to doing that thing. I, I, I think that's just really good life advice. And uh, one of my favorite things about the podcast this year has been the great guests we've had, and just the range of topics that we've covered. King, I feel like from the very beginning until right now, we've hit on so many different things. It's uh, I find it super fascinating because we know the football talk, the college football talks coming, and that's what we're getting to. But I am very much looking forward to hearing Kev your picks uh, and your bets here at the end of the episode. But before we get to those, we do have to pick ten games here, confidence point style. You guys ready to dive into those? Let's let's pick some games. All right. Well, uh, let, let's let's start. We, we go in the order that these games are originally listed in the app, in the, app, the ESPN app through the Pick'em competition that we're running uh, throughout the year. They're listed by time of day. And so we're starting with some noon games here. The very first one listed is arguably, the, and depending on who you ask, because Rivalry Week, everyone has their own opinions, it's arguably the biggest game of the day from a, one, rivalry standpoint, two, uh, conference title implications, College football playoff implications, of course. I'm not talking about any game. I'm talking about the game. We've got Michigan going on the road to Ohio State. King, what does Vegas think about the game? And then, Kiev, we're going to start with you on this one, Michigan at Ohio State. Well, Ohio State's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home, over under 56. This is the biggest game of the year. I don't care who you ask. <laughs> You're not going to get too many 11-0 teams facing each other in any college football here all the way to the end in rivalry week these teams happen to be undefeated i'll tell you this they are certainly close to not be undefeated a few times uh, they got you know, and that's why you bet look ahead spots man i mean michigan versus illinois illinois had their number i mean there these teams were kind of trying to be vanilla looking towards next week it was a massive spot for both of them both of their opposing teams covered. But you don't take what you saw last week. Like I said, you take the full body work of the season. The strategy I employ for picking this game is based upon the fact that I'm facing you guys and not the whole world. Because if I'm facing the whole world, I would probably play Michigan. And that's the, it, it, this is contest strategy as well. Um, if you're, it, it depends upon how many people, but I think Michigan does have a path to victory in this game. What I will say is that Ohio State has the more explosiveness. It's so funny when you look at the metrics to this game in itself. Um, Ohio State is number one in EPA margin. EPA is an advanced stat, expected points added. 
Uh, it's a really good advanced stat. It kind of takes yards per point and yards per play and kind of bunches it together with the importance of the downs, right? So uh, Ohio State number one, but Michigan's number three. I mean, there's 131 football teams in the FBS. You got number one and number three. Yards per play, Ohio State's got a little bit of a, a advantage around a half yard per play. Um, I'd I like to say... Ohio State's strength of schedule was better, but just that Notre Dame game was really where it's at. Otherwise, these, both these teams have uh, played strong opponents. And I would, I would almost argue that uh, Illinois uh, might give Michigan a little bit of a jump. I, I, I would almost think that maybe Illinois could even beat a, a, a Notre Dame right now if they played healthy face-to-face. Uh, -face. I mean, I think... Ohio State's been hiding Jackson Smith Majigba for the whole year. <laughs> That's my conspiracy. And I would say, why not? Why wouldn't you when you have all that talent? But Smith Majigba, I think, is their best wide receiver. And I know Marvin Harrison has been great over there. But um, if that's true and he comes back, you have to be very careful for the explosiveness of Ohio State. I don't like how Michigan's been crapping out in the red zone lately, kicking field goals. Michigan's had, had has their injury problems with Blake Corum now. I think Blake Corum plays. The fact that he was hanging out turkeys on Sunday is a very good thing. Um, Michigan's been starting out games much better than Ohio State. You saw Ohio State against Northwestern. You saw Ohio State against uh, uh, well the first game against uh, Notre Dame and North in a. The last one, that Penn State game. Penn State really outgained Ohio State in yards. It wasn't for Penn State's stupid turnovers. That game might have been a lot closer there at the end, and that was a close game. So Michigan, it depends upon how much of a lead they can possibly get in the first half because Ohio State's really a second-half team. For the sake that I'm playing you guys, I'm taking Ohio State, but there are only three confidence points, so we'll see where you guys have it. All right, Kinger, let's go to you next. Got to be honest, guys, I don't feel like I should be this confident in Ohio State, but I am. And, you know, looking back, reflecting on this season, what Michigan has put on the field as their body of work thus far, and I think the really reason why I'm struggling with seeing why Michigan is going to stay in this is because they have not played a team with anywhere near the offensive explosiveness or firepower that Ohio State has. The best offense that they've played thus far this season has been Penn State, who is ranked 37th nationally. Uh, now they got to play a top 10 offense on the road with the weapons Ohio State has. I, I just think Ohio State's going to be able to score. I mean, Michigan defense, very good statistically at the top of the Big Ten, top five nationally against both the run and the pass. But this schedule has been very weak. Uh, we, Non-conference was nothing in, in nothing in before the Big Ten play started. They didn't really weren't really tested at all. They're extremely good, but I think the, the lack of competition is part of that. We'll see if Michigan is able to get the run game going and if Ohio State's defense is going to stand. They looked pretty good the first half of this season. The back half, they've been maybe exploited just a little bit. I still think they have the edge there. I'm not impressed with J.J. McCarthy and what he – I think he's very limited for them. He's really struggled with accuracy. He's going to have to have one of his best games for them to win. I like Ohio State here. I like them for – I'd say double digits if I'm being honest here. So I'm taking the Buckeyes with eight confidence points. Guys, I am admittedly a big Ohio State fan. Of course, I remove that when looking at games and making picks, and, and I just let the numbers drive everything. And the numbers are blind to logos, brands, what have you. They just see the numbers. 
these are two teams that have been phenomenal all year long. I know they both struggled a little bit last week. Kev, you talked about it was a look-ahead look spot, absolutely. Michigan has been power-rated in my numbers number four or number five every single week since the preseason. It's been four or five. Ohio State has been in the top three every single week since the preseason. This week, I have Ohio State two. I have Michigan four. That's in the power ratings. In terms of most deserving, so we're looking at resumes here and how well have they perform. I actually have Ohio State number one. They are slightly ahead of Georgia. I know that's surprising to some. Um, the committee's been pretty strong that Georgia's their number one. I have Michigan number four behind TCU. Again, surprising to some, but as King talked about there, there's really nothing on the resume. Kiev, you said that Illinois might be Michigan's second best win. My numbers agree. I mean, taking the home and away out of it, Illinois' power rating is the second best of any team that Michigan has played all year. Ohio State's got three games that I would put up there above Illinois, that being Penn State, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin. So um, Michigan has not been tested, but my numbers are opponent-adjusted, so they're, see they're seeing that. They're accounting for that. Michigan in the top four in scoring margin relative to expected. Ohio State number one in scoring margin relative to expected. First time since 2006 these two teams have been undefeated coming into this game. It was number one versus number two that year. It's number two versus number three this year. Big Ten East on the line, a trip to Indy on the line, a trip to the Cosmoball playoff most likely on the line. There is a case now for the loser, uh, especially if it's Ohio State. Could they sneak in, find a backdoor way in? Maybe. All of that to the side. This is the biggest game in college football, Kiev, as you said, not just for these two teams, but for the sport. It's 11-0 versus 11-0, everything to play for, biggest rivals. Michigan gets their first win in the series in a decade last year. It's a revenge for Ohio State. Weather's looking like it'll be okay. Uh, you never know in Ohio, in the Midwest, uh, in November. My numbers have been extremely consistent on my projected line for the last month. It's been within a point of this for an entire month. My numbers still like Ohio State by nine and a half. I'm taking Ohio State to win this game. I think they do cover. I haven't seen an injury report with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I also don't know if Travion Henderson is healthy. I don't know if Blake Corum is healthy. I think Corum's going to play. I would expect if Henderson can go, he will go. Kim, I agree with you. I think I think we might see Jackson Smith and Jigba because we haven't seen him almost all year since the very beginning. I think they might break him out for this game if he's at all healthy enough to play. Even if he's just a decoy out there on a play or two, that could definitely mess with Michigan. Give me Ohio State, and because of the way the numbers line up in our other games, I'm taking Ohio State for nine confidence points this week. Do not text me. Do not call me. Do not email me. Do not do anything to me from noon till four on Saturday, guys. I will not respond. And if Ohio State loses this game, which there's a 25% chance they will by my numbers, if they lose this game, I won't be returning any of those messages until at least Tuesday. I'm just telling you right now. So I have a lot invested in this game. Not money, but just internally, personally, my heart and soul. College football is everything. Ohio State, to me, is that team. Whew, I'm nervous. I've talked about it enough. To recap this one, we are all on Ohio State. I'm taking the Bucks for nine, Kinger for eight, Kiev for three. I'll say something Kiev. real quick, too. Mayan Williams yeah. is also banged up, and he missed last game. But all the running backs for both yeah. of these teams yeah. have issues. So, it really makes you throw some few things off. I wonder if that Michigan pass rush is going to get to C.J. Stroud. So that's uh, if they can't block and have the secondary blocks of the running backs, I'm a little worried. If they get to C.J. Stroud, that's probably going to be one of their uh, keys to victory if, if they can. I personally don't think Mayan Williams is going to play, um, but we'll see. I hope he does. I hope he's healthy. Ohio State, deep at running back. When they're all healthy, the problem is, as you said, Kiv, they haven't all been healthy for quite some time now, so we'll see. 
It's a big-time game, guys. King, we'll start with you on this one. We are going to an interconference game here. We've got South Carolina, fresh off their massive win over Tennessee, going on the road to a Clemson team that still has hopes of reaching the college football playoff. They absolutely have to get it here. What does Vegas think? And, King, what do you think? So Clemson's a 14.5-point favorite at home, over under 51.5. And, and looking at this, my first instinct is 14 and a half seems like a lot of points for this South Carolina team. But the question is, is what South Carolina team are we going to get here? They really have been all over the spectrum this year. That was a massive win last weekend. Are they going to come out? Can they do it again to ruin Clemson's season? College football playoffs still on the line there. And I think this is a tough spot for them. They're going on the road. Clemson's definitely going to be motivated for that reason we just mentioned. I think it's going to be difficult to carry that same energy and vibes. And they're playing a significantly better defense this week. And the main reason is, is ultimately, I don't trust Spencer Rattler. He had a great week last weekend, was feeling himself, six touchdowns. But that Tennessee secondary has been Swiss cheese. They've been terrible. They're going to face a better secondary. They're going to face a very good front seven. This is a completely level, different level of competition with this Clemson defense. I've not seen enough from Spencer from back-to-back weeks this year where I really like him in this spot. Clemson's figured out, seemed to figure out how to best utilize DJ here the second half of the season. South Carolina defense, if they can create a couple turnovers in this game, I like them to keep it close. But if Clemson takes care of the ball and kind of continues this momentum they've had these last four or five weeks, I really like them pretty easily here. I'm taking Clemson with 10 confidence points. Don't love it, but we're taking the Tigers with 10. Kinger, I'm right there with you. I'm taking Clemson, and I'm taking them for 10 confidence points. I like Clemson in this game by the exact spread. My numbers like the Tigers by 14 and a half. I've been very dialed in on Clemson this year. I would say the power ratings have had them between number five and number 10, really since the first month of the year when they were when they started there at number four in the power ratings. South Carolina, Kinger, to your point, they've been all over the map. I've had South Carolina as as high as 40, as low as 60. They were uh, 60 last week. They get that amazing win at home against Tennessee in a game that I don't even think South Carolina players or fans thought they could play as well as they did. I mean, they absolutely just took it to Tennessee in a very impressive home win. That environment was crazy. Williams Rice Stadium under the lights. This is at Death Valley. It's not under the lights. Um, I don't think we're going to get that same South Carolina team. So I like Clemson to get it done. I think Clemson, um, my numbers right now have them as a 10-point favorite on a neutral field against North Carolina in Charlotte. So uh, there's a very good chance Clemson sitting there at the end of the year as 12-1 and ACC champs, hoping that that's enough to get them into the college football playoff. All of that is for not, though, if they don't show up this week in a rivalry game. I fully expect Dabo to have that team ready. I think Clemson brings it, and I'm taking Clemson for 10 confidence points. Kiev, you with us? We're both ultra-confident, at least in relative terms to the rest of the slate. What about you? You on Clemson? You're on South Carolina. Well, maybe people should start betting South Carolina because I have Clemson at number 10 confidence <laughs> points as well. You, you, know, you know, it is when you all agree with something. I mean, the, yeah, it's, it's like I said before. I mean, you don't take what you saw last week. This is the probably a massive letdown spot, even though it's an in-state rivalry. All you have to do is look at one number, guys. Defensive rushing play success rate, 128th in the nation for South Carolina. Clemson on offense, 18th. I don't even see how South Carolina is going to have this ball for 25 minutes of play. This is going to be a ground-and-pound Clemson. I, I would consider even laying the 14.5 points personally with Clemson just based upon this major mismatch in the trenches. Forget about the Tennessee game. We knew Tennessee's defense was bad. They just happened to be extra bad that day. Spencer Rattler looked like a professional quarterback. Let's see what Rattler was really during the whole season 
a below average quarterback. Simple. Clemson needs style points. I love him for 10 points. The recap here is really easy, everybody. We are all on Clemson, and we are all taking the Tigers for a maximum 10 points. King, I will take this next game first. We're going to the Sun Belt Conference, uh, specifically the East Division. We've got Coastal Carolina going on the road to James Madison. What's Vegas think? And then I'll hop in. James Madison's a 13.5-point favorite at home, over under 53.5. So Grayson McCall is not playing in this game. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought I saw that, and that makes a lot of sense because my numbers like James Madison in this game by eight points. So that explains the differential there in my projected spread versus the Vegas spread. I'm going to take James Madison. I would have taken James Madison if McCall was playing. He is not. I'm taking James Madison. I've already used my 10-pointer. I've already used my 9-pointer. I'm using my 8-pointer right now. Just 1, 2, 3, right out of the gate, 10, 9, 8. Uh, so I'm taking James Madison. I'm taking him for 8 confidence points, guys. I have James Madison, power rated number 55. Coastal Carolina is number 76. But the area I want to talk about real quickly on these two teams in particular is these are two of the greatest overachievers this year, with, with regard to their win-loss record, relative to their preseason realistic expectations, both of these teams have 2.5 more wins than my numbers expected through this point in the season in the preseason. So they rank number 12 and 13, respectively, in the nation in wins over expected relative to preseason expectations. It's been two great years. Coastal Carolina already wrapped up the East Division. They will be playing in the Sun Belt Championship game next week. Um, but I do think James Madison gets the win here. So give me the Dukes, and I'm taking them for eight confidence points. Kiev, what about you? You know, it's it's too bad that Grayson McCall's season was ended like this, and he shouldn't play again because he's probably going to get a shot in the NFL, hopefully become a backup quarterback somewhere and with some upside. Um, Jared Guest is not exactly Grayson McCall. He's only at 45% completion percentage right now, and that was against a pretty easy Southern Miss team. Well, I mean, easy for what it is, you know, in that division here. James Madison has the number one defensive success rate, you know. The, I really considered putting James Madison as number one, too, over Clemson here based upon the McCall injury. Um, really sad. I think I think Coastal Carolina and the Chanticleers do uh, play a tough game because – that's just kind of what they're built with Caldwell over there. They're just they're just a well-coached team, and they're going to do everything they can, but I don't think it's enough. And, you know, you have to remember when James Madison lost a couple of those bad games, they didn't have their quarterback playing for them. Um, Centio, I believe, was injured a couple games, and they were throwing some picks. As a matter of fact, when Billy Atkins came in, two touchdowns to five interceptions, that's a pretty bad ratio. <laughs> I mean, that's as many as Todd Centio has thrown all year. So, yeah, this is James Madison with nine confidence points for me. Kinger? Not a lot to add here. You guys pretty much covered it. No Grayson McCall on the road. Centio healthy. I mean, he's like you said, he's been one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the Sun Belt this year. James Madison at home. I, I think they're going to they're gonna move the ball. I don't think Coastal Camaro is stopping. That's not a very good defense either. So give me James Madison. Give me him for nine confidence points. All right, to recap this game, we are all in agreement again. Kinger in Kiev taking the Dukes for a nine. I am on James Madison for eight. 
Kim, we'll start with you on this one. We have Western Kentucky going on the road to FAU. Western Kentucky still has a chance to make the Conference USA Championship game, which will be hosted by UTSA. They need a win in this one, plus a Rice upset of North Texas. So a little bit of help needed, but they got to take care of business first. King, what's Vegas think? And then let's kick it to Kiev. Western Kentucky at FAU. Western Kentucky's a seven-point favorite on the road over under 61. Yeah, you have a high total in this game. Um, not extraordinarily high, but FAU has just kind of been a fake-type team to me. I know there's, there's two things you're, that you have going for these teams. FAU is playing for a bowl uh, eligibility, which is a big motivational spot for these teams with five wins. So they're going to try to do everything. But Western Kentucky is trying to play for the uh, to get the championship game. So uh, both teams are going to be motivated here at the end. I mean, the thing about FAU is they can really be scored on bad, and that defense is nothing like it used to be. 113th in defensive success rate when at least Western Kentucky is kind of somewhere in the middle in the 60s. Um, the offense, you also have to give it to Western Kentucky as well. You know, they are a nice positive 1.4 net yards per play margin, while FAU is minus .32. You know, so this is a situation where I just think Western Kentucky is the better team and they're the much better passing team. Uh, their QBR is 27th in the nation. Uh, FAU is, a, is at 64. I just don't see a lot of areas where FAU can dominate here. Um, they're bad on the trenches. Um, this is a game that Western Kentucky should win. Now, the fact that they're going on the road always worries you some, but in this situation, I like the coaching at Western Kentucky. I just think uh, it's theirs to lose. I actually have them for a good amount of confidence points. I believe I have my eight here, so I'm going to take them with eight confidence points. Kinger, what about you in this game? Yeah, Western Kentucky's been a team that I've honestly found myself gambling on quite a bit this season. I got talked to them last weekend at Auburn. I think a lot of people saw that there could have been some value there. Looking back, I don't really know what I saw there. Auburn had some momentum going. They're very physical in the trenches. We're definitely able to exploit Western Kentucky, and that was not even close to being a good bet last weekend. But I'm taking Western Kentucky here. I think they're going to bounce back. Kiev mentioned it. FAU, 99th nationally in total defense. Western Kentucky has been very successful versus bad defenses this year. Austin Reed is a good quarterback. He has been good for them, replacing Zappi. I think they move the ball. And then on the defensive side, I think Western Kentucky has the, has the ability in the trenches to slow down FAU. You want to put the ball into Cozy Perry's hands, make him throw it. He's not very – he's dynamic quarterback when he struggles with accuracy. I like the Hilltoppers on the road, and I like them for five Can I say points. something real quick? Uh, I did watch that Auburn game on yep. one of my TVs. Now, I don't have as many TVs as Kelly going at once, but uh, <laughs> I, I did have a screen on them, and that game was closer all the way up to the fourth quarter than you think it was. So I thought that Western Kentucky was ready for the upset, personally. I thought – Okay, I so all right. So I I was out for a good portion of Saturday afternoon. I thought that second quarter was when things started to really go off the rails for Western Kentucky. You saying they, they, they hung in for a while, then they made some bad mistakes at the yeah. end. If you look at the box score, you should see that it was mostly the fourth quarter. Okay, well, thanks for thanks for providing some additional context there. <laughs> there you go, Kager. Feel a little bit better about that one. Get us rolling back on the road to five hundred. Yeah. 
Love. Yep. Uh, no, that's that's we're pretty much tossing that aside unless we get hot in the bowl season again. <laughs> Never know. That's what we're aiming for. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't have much to add to this game, guys. I've got Western Kentucky number 54 power rated, FAU number 83. I do like Kiev's point. I do think bowl motivation for some teams, including FAU in this case, is something to be considered. They are at home. They could get that going. Um, so I, th- I think there's something to be said for that. But I like Western Kentucky in this game. I like them with a 64% win probability. So give me Western. I'll take them for five confidence points. We are through four games. We are three for three in agreement on all four. To recap this one, Kiev taking the Hilltoppers for eight. Kinger and I on Western for five. Zach, we're going to start with you on this one. They don't call it this anymore. Much like they don't call Texas-Oklahoma the Red River Shootout. That doesn't mean I don't, though. I still call that game the Red River Shootout. I still call this game the Civil War. We've got Oregon going on the road to Oregon State. Corvallis, a tough place to play, especially when the Ducks are coming to town. What's Vegas think, King, and what do you think about Oregon at Oregon State in the Civil War? Yeah, so Oregon's a three-point favorite on the road. The over-under is... i got to get that. We're offline currently. Um... But this is going to be a grind for Oregon. And this is another emotional game last weekend for the Ducks. Big bounce back game. Oregon State's going to be ready for them. And, and Oregon State's just a really solid football team. They got worked on the road at Utah earlier this year. This is a team that is in every single ball game. Lost two tough games to USC and Washington, both three points. This is solid football things. And they, did, they do the little things right. They run the football. They play defense. And they are pretty good with turnovers. These are the number one and two rush defenses in the Pac-12. And, and the Big thing here is is Oregon State. Can they stop this Oregon offense? Can they make some big net, big stops? I think the health of Bo Nix is definitely in question here. We saw he was hobbled last weekend. There's no doubt I think he plays. Uh, but the how his mobility, I think, is obviously going to be a, an important piece of this this weekend. And I'm not sure Oregon is really going to be able to put up a ton of points against this Beaver defense. Oregon defense, on the other side, pretty decent bounce back week after the Washington game. Can they stop the run and get off the field on third down? They've really struggled with that this year. I don't I don't feel great about this one either, but I'm taking Oregon State. I'm taking the Beavers at home straight up. I'm taking them for two confidence points. I think this is just going to be a too much of a hill to climb for the Ducks this week. I think Oregon State has a momentum. This is one, obviously, that they really want as well. Kiev, let's go to you. Chance Nolan's playing, right? <clears throat> He's playing this game, I'm guessing. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I believe he played yes. last week. Um, yeah, they hit that low in their season a little bit. I really thought that Oregon State should have beat USC this year, and um, man, it really messed up my – I had a 40-1 to ticket on Oregon State to uh, win the Pac-12, and if that they get that win, this game means one hell of a lot more because Oregon did beat Utah, so I think Oregon's in anyway. But um, yeah, or uh, USC. If I don't, if I remember correctly, USC plus four in turnovers in that game and wins the game by a field goal. Right? If I'm remembering correctly, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They've done it all year. It's so unfortunate for anybody who's been betting against USC. But sorry to cut you off. Go on. It was extremely unfortunate. But you know, Oregon State was also in that game uh, against Washington. They kind of lost it at the end a little bit, and that was a tough road game. They had to go to Seattle to play that game. You know, and very difficult. Uh, to do that. It's a tough atmosphere in Washington. If anyone's been out there to watch college football, it's certainly one of the higher rated places to do that. Um, they really beat the heck out of Cal and then beat the crap out of Arizona State. This, work, this game worries me a little bit. Yeah, I, I wish I could like rate a bunch of games lower because I kind of had to use them a little bit higher being that I just um, a little bit. I, I pick a few upsets before this, but I am picking Oregon here. They are the favorite here. 
Um, it is an in-state rivalry. You're going to get some Ducks fans here. And here's the thing about Bo Nix. I, I am so happy that that guy got out of Auburn and it, all the crap. that He looked terrible out there, and he looks like a – I was a little bit of a Bo Nix hater, if I'm being honest, Kiev. I definitely didn't give him the respect that he deserved coming into the season. I didn't either. If I, can I, I really didn't that. either. But, you know, you saw him rejuvenate. They're playing a faster pace. Very high tempo, and they're just putting up points. Now, yeah. their defense does stink, and that's the problem. You know, uh, if they can outscore their defense that how you know, it's almost like they're the Tennessee of the Pac-12 in a way, but I guess so is everybody, USC, UCLA. You know, you can make a case that everybody's the Tennessee, the Pac-12 almost, except for Oregon State. If Oregon State's defense shows up, they can certainly win this game. I'll tell you this from an ATS perspective. I'm certainly going to lean on Oregon State here, but just for the sake of this contest, um, I'm going to pick Oregon at seven confidence points. All right, so I got to break our first tie here. Yeah, Kev, you talked about trips to Washington. I tell you, I love when they play that siren to get people pumped up there in Husky Stadium. Man, that gets me going, and I'm not a, I'm not a Washington fan. I'm not a Pac-12 fan, but that gets me riled up when you hear that siren on a big third or fourth down. So it is a tough place to play. Like you said, you lost by three points at Washington. You lost by three points at home to USC in a game you were minus four in the turnover margin, and then they got blown out by Utah. Those are the only three losses. Oregon, on the other hand, kind of same deal with Washington a three-point loss uh, at home, and then they get blown out in week one at the neutral side in Atlanta against Georgia, so only two losses there. It is a rivalry game. Oregon State, guys, ranks number 23 nationally for me in wins over expected relative to that preseason expectations. They have two more wins than I thought they would at this point of the season, so it's been a great year out there in Corvallis. They right now are power rated number 25. It's the highest spot I've had them all year. They started the year at 52, and they've just been slowly climbing those power ratings. Um, coming off a great a great win last week at Arizona State. Like we talked about, though, a couple times already, teams that have just played really well, you might expect a little bit of a regression to the mean there. Again, their power rating is higher now than it's been all season. I expect them to come back to earth a little bit, even though they're hosting arguably their biggest rival in their home stadium to end the year, trying to get to nine wins. They could ruin Oregon's chances to make the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon, if they win this game, they're in there against USC. If they lose, they need a Washington loss, I believe, to stay in that Pac-12 championship game. My numbers like Oregon in this game by two and a half. I have the Ducks power rated number 15. Um, it's a 58% win probability, so it's right there for the taking. I expect this Civil War to be a great game. I'm very excited for it, and uh, I'm going to take the Ducks. I'm taking them for four confidence points. So to recap this one, Kiev and I taking Oregon, Kiev for seven, myself for four. Kinger riding with the underdog Beavers at home for two. Kiev, we're going to start with you on this one. We are going to the Big Ten West. You are a big Wisconsin fan. Well, we've got a game for you here. We've got Minnesota coming to Camp Randall here. Who do you like in this one? Uh, King, first, what's Vegas think? And then we'll kick it to Kiev for Minnesota against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's minus three at home, over under 36. So, you're going to make me talk about my Badgers. Okay, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Um, <laughs> very disappointing team. But it, it, I was probably the fan that was least disappointed because I was the one saying, hold up, hold up, hold up. They lost their three top pass catchers. They lost their best defensive players, their two linebackers. Sanborn starting for the Bears. Chaz Malusi was a third-round pick and just second string on the, on the Chiefs right now. You know, they lost so much. And uh, Graham Mertz kind of still all over the place. Coach got fired this year. 
I kind of think that was a good thing. Uh, at first, it shocked me because I was a Paul Christ fan. But to be honest with you, this this uh, they were stalling out too much, and I thought he got complacent. Jim Leonard's nice and hungry, and if they can actually get some players in the transfer portal for the future, that'd be fine. But the big part of the handicap of this game, you have such a low total here. Who's going to turn the ball over? You know, that's really what it is. The problem, <laughs> seriously, who wins the turnover? I wish I could tell the future on that because that's one thing we welcome. Right. Welcome to the Big Ten West all year, right? Yeah, it, it's just been a mess all year of uh, teams beating each other <laughs> up, and, and it's and there's just still so many scenarios all the way up to rivalry week. Purdue can get in, you know, if, if mm-hmm. Nebraska beats Iowa, Iowa's got their own issues. It's just there's just so much craziness. Uh, Illinois can get in if both Purdue loses. It, <laughs> there's just a lot, and it's almost what I expected. I said these are all seven win type teams maybe seven or eight wins is what i said and that's kind of what these are showing up now wisconsin did get their six win already and they've had a lot of letdown situations the biggest thing is if tanner morgan plays you know mm-hmm. i have to assume right now that he's not and that's and i think that graham mertz is going to show better than he did the last two weeks and he's at home so I have to take Wisconsin, but I will say that Minnesota can match up against Wisconsin in the trenches. And if Wisconsin can't get the run game going, it's going to be anybody's game, even though Miss Minnesota will have a backup quarterback. So that's what really worries you. Um, I know when Mertz gets rattled, he gets wild, and uh, that's not a good thing. I have Wisconsin by at Pickham, and I think that if the – that's with Morgan. You know, that's just looking at the full season. It's with the Morgan injury. I actually have Wisconsin at minus three. So I took Wisconsin, and my confidence points on them is four. So, Kiev, question for you as a Wisconsin fan. It's two parts. First part, do you want Jim Leonard to be named the full-time head coach starting in 2023? And the second part, will Jim Leonard, in your opinion, be named the full-time head coach starting in 2023? Well, if I can get Dabo Sweeney, I'll take him. But uh, <laughs> being, being that there's probably no chance of that. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's a young guy. It seems like young coaches uh, relate better to these, you know, Generation Z players. And uh, that's what you need these days is that, um, I guess, the massaging there. And I almost think Jim Laird's still a little bit old school, even though he's younger, a younger face. I mean, he comes in, he's got those... Uh, boyish looks coming in to recruit your kid. You know, I would be like, why not? This kid played in the NFL. He played for the Ravens. He played for the Jets. You know, he was a great player on the Badgers. I used to watch him at safety all the time. Love Jim Leonard, you know. And uh, I want him. I I would love Lance Leopold that used to coach at UW-Whitewater and won all those championships. Mm -hmm. Then he went to Buffalo. Now he's at Kansas. That was, you know, that's kind of like I wish we would have went for him earlier, but that ship has sailed. Yes, let's give Leonard a try. I say give him a three-year deal. See if he can attack the transfer portal some. Um, see if he can get an offensive coordinator that can still have a Wisconsin-type recruiting system where you're getting all those big linemen and um, still able to run the ball. Yet some more creativity and some more confidence in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to say yes. I think, uh, so I'm not necessarily a Wisconsin fan. I do like the Big Ten, of course. I think it's right. I, I, I think that's right. I'd like to see Jim Leonard get a chance. I think you're right. He is a younger coach with maybe a little bit of a flavor of that old school mentality. He's a Wisconsin guy, and so I think that helps as well. Um, 
So for me in this game, I'm, I'm with you there on the line. Uh, my numbers like Wisconsin by a single point, so I am taking Wisconsin in the pickup. I'm taking them for two confidence points. Kev, you said it's been a disappointing season. Wisconsin was my preseason favorite to win the Big Ten West. Um, after after the game at Michigan State there in Week Seven, my numbers had so Wisconsin sitting there at three and four at that point of the season. They were 2.2 wins below expectations, which ranked 131st out of 131 in the country. They were my most disappointing team relative to preseason expectations after that loss at Michigan State. They have since uh, gone 3-1, and one, and they've risen up to uh, number 105 on that most disappointing list. So still, you're trending in the right direction. Uh, three wins out of the last four. I like you here in this game uh, against Minnesota. Granted, it is close. Minnesota and Wisconsin both are a couple teams where, as we talk about them, we say, oh, you know, they're not that good, or they've got deficiencies, especially on the offensive side, or, or what have you. They, they, they can't take care of the ball. My numbers have liked both these teams, predictively speaking, really all year. I've got Minnesota still number 22. I've got Wisconsin number 26. So from a predictive standpoint, these teams have either fooled the model into thinking they're good or they actually are good and they're not playing up to that expectation that the model thinks they can on any given week. So I'm with you, Kiev. I'm taking Wisconsin. I'm taking them for two. Kinger, what about you? Are you riding the Badgers or are you going Minnesota in this one? I'm riding the Badgers, and a lot of it's because I'm just spiting Minnesota, <laughs> the Golden Gophers, after just letting us down last weekend. I mean, look at that. 312 yards on the ground, dominate the time of possession by almost 10 minutes, but you lose they the did that last battle. year. And look at I the box score last year. It, I know. it blows Same. my mind because I had Minnesota minus two and a half, and I'm like, they, 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 they're they just blowing it themselves. It, like, <laughs> like, Blew it themselves. Off Iowa offense or Iowa defense did make a couple stops there at the end, but I mean, you said a Minnesota offense without Tanner Morgan is bad. I think this is going to be again a week where Minnesota is probably going to be able to get the run game going a little bit. We'll see how Wisconsin matches it. You said Minnesota, Wisconsin is going to be a good battle in the trenches. It's all about the Wisconsin run game here. You don't want that the game on Mertz's shoulders here. But I'm going to lean Badgers at home. Hey, one confidence point. That's that's all we're giving them this week. I don't I don't feel. Gr- I don't feel great. I don't blame it. you. And I, I'm going to say that Minnesota should have been the Big Ten representative if they didn't lose Bell, their receiver, Probably. which was just massive for this team. Muhammad Ibrahim was out for a long time as well. And then now Tanner Morgan. Is- and then they lose Morgan. Yeah. Terrible injury luck. That's a hard Yeah. I mean, a team that ranks 12th in offensive success rate and 10th in defensive success rate, top 10 EPA type team. Yeah. It's just tons of bad injury luck for them. With the exception of maybe one or two weeks, Wisconsin or excuse me, Minnesota has been power rated the best Big Ten West team in my numbers every week, with the exception of maybe one or two since that first month of the season. So to recap this one, guys, we are all on Wisconsin. Kiev taking the batters for four. I'm on them for two. Kinger on Wisconsin for one. King, I'll take this next game first. We're going to the ACC. Uh, what's Vegas think about Wake Forest going on the road to Duke? So Wake Forest is a three and a half point favorite on the road over under 66 and a half. I'll keep it really simple. My numbers agree with Vegas. I like Wake Forest in this game by three and a half. I have Wake Forest power rated number 32. Duke is number 58. But the story in this game, guys, for me is Duke. Duke has 3.7 more wins than expected to this point. That ranks number two nationally behind only TCU. Duke at 7-4 and four here in 2022, projected to finish third in their division. 
It's been a remarkable year. They dropped a game at Kansas. They lost a game at Georgia Tech. You probably want that one back at this point. They lost at home to North Carolina by just three points. Here are their losses. Eight points to Kansas, three points to Georgia Tech, three points to North Carolina, two points on the road at Pittsburgh. There are their losses. I mean, it's it's been incredible. Duke's been a, a great feel-good story this year. They started the year power-rated number 116. They're all the way up to 58. I am taking Wake Forest in this game. Give me the Demon Deacons, and I'm taking them for three confidence points. Kiev? Yeah, we don't need to spend much time on this. Uh, you know, Duke, I, I, my heart wants to pick Duke, but my brain says to pick Wake Forest, and, and not a ton of confidence. It's kind of a smelly line at minus three and a half, by the way. It's interesting. I, I will say that um, the reason Duke's bad against the pass, and if you watch that North Carolina game, North Carolina took a bunch of knees with like two minutes left on their goal line pretty much and could have you know, beat them by 10 points very quickly. Um, and they also had control most of that game. 92nd in passing play success rate on the defense while Wake Forest is 16th. What I will say is I've watched some Lake Forest, Wake Forest games, and I bet against them against North Carolina and a lot of uh, other times because they look really terrible the last you know, few weeks coming down the stretch. And I think that Clawson has just been blowing his mind somehow. I don't know what's going on with that, but that they still metrically should be beating Duke. But I only have two confidence points on it because this line stinks. Smelly line. I haven't heard that one before, but I like it. King, Wake Forest at Duke. What about you? Maybe I can learn something here, but I'm picking a little bit of the upsets. I'm actually getting on Duke plus three and a half this week, and and I'm just taking the Mike Elko effect here. Kelly, you've already ran through how Duke has overexceeded expectations this year. I think this Wake Forest defense is not very good. Duke's got the solid dual threat quarterback in Riley Leonard. I think they're going to move the ball. And you mentioned Duke defense. They aren't very good. That's, that's, that's a fact. But Sam Hartman has struggled at times this year. And even versus very average defenses, he has not looked the same as he has last year. I think Duke has the momentum here. With I'm going to ride the feel-good story. This is a home game. Give me the Blue, De- Blue Devils with three confidence points. And, Kelly, we did talk about Wake Forest in my under eight and a half, and that did cash like we – Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep, right on. We, we get another season win total there. Uh, so ch- chalk that one up, even if they do get it here, only brings them to eight wins on the year. So to recap this one, uh, for the second time tonight, we have a disagreement, and it is King, again, going out on the island. Uh, Kiev and I on Wake Forest, myself for three, Kiev for two. Kinger taking the Duke Blue Devils to continue their magical year with three confidence points. I'm... I'm down one to you, Kelly, in our in our yeah. yearly competition. I, I brought it back after last week, and I'm down one. So I got to pick a couple against you here, and I and one of us is going to come out on top this weekend. Well, it, at least it's likely going to be the case. One of us will actually be the champion. You got me last year. I'm coming for that title. You're right, and this is the final year. Of course, we do do Bowl Mania just to remind everybody. Well, but but right. yes, the regular season competition concludes. Well, wait, King. No, we 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 do conference championships in that too, don't we? Or no? Uh, we got. We'll figure that out. I don't. I don't know. It does it. Does, yeah, we'll have to. We have to that figure out. that out. I'm one back. You right? are. I'm making. You a are one. You are one, one back. Yeah. You've made great strides. I, we'll talk about that. Uh, what we need to do uh, before yeah. it all goes final this weekend. Uh, Kim's like, guys, what are we talking about right now? Let's pick the next game. So we're moving on. We've got <laughs> Notre Dame going on the road to USC, guys. This is a massive game for both of these programs. College football playoff implications, um, expectations in year one for Marcus Freeman. Kiev, we're going to get your thoughts on it first. But, King, what's Vegas think about Notre Dame traveling out to the Coliseum to play the Trojans? Uh, USC is a five and a half point favorite at home, over under 64 and a half. You know, what does Notre Dame do? 
besides lose the shitty teams, they uh, <laughs> sniff out frauds. And <laughs> I mean, they went to North Carolina, a very high flying passing team with no defense, beat the crap out of them. Clemson comes over. Notre Dame's a dog. Notre Dame pounds the ball, beats the crap out of them. There's nothing that tells me that they're not going to necessarily go to USC and do this. I got to be somewhat contrarian here. My power ratings have USC winning this by a couple points, but I see the path to victory with North with Notre Dame just because USC has not faced a rushing threat uh, like Notre Dame, and I think Notre Dame is bigger and more healthy in the trenches, if anything. You saw how Notre Dame handled Ohio State for a lot of that game in the trenches. You saw how these four-star, five-star recruits went against bigger ones in Clemson and was able to do the same thing. They take those finesse teams and they end up just kind of bludgeoning them, you know, and this is kind of what I talked about a little bit more of an artistic way of betting. You know, they're bigger in the trenches. You know, they got some athletes there. May that massive tight end. Um, I'm impressed with Notre Dame and how they're finishing their season. Beat the crap out of Boston College. They're just uh, in position to take their rival or one of the rivals. They have a lot of rivals, obviously, USC out of it. And let's face it, USC's defensive success rate, 118th. Notre Dame's 18th. Offensive success rate, Notre Dame's not that bad, 24th, while USC, as we know, is 4th. USC better protect their quarterback because Notre Dame can get to him. I'm picking Notre Dame, but only one on the confidence. Kinger, what do you think about this game? Yeah, this full touchdown seems like a lot to me here. And the big thing is, is we know this USC run game has really been non-existent without Travis Dye. Notre Dame defense is good. They're top 20 unit nationally. They have been a little bit susceptible on the ground. We'll see if USC can kind of get that going a little bit. But ultimately, I think Caleb Williams, I think they're going to find a way to score points. Now, this over under 65, I think that this is a little bit high for me. You mentioned Notre Dame being able to control the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. Since they've gotten that run game going, the offensive line has really improved as the season goes on. I think they are going to try and control that time of possession. USC really hasn't shown that they can stop anybody. They need good, consistent QB play from Pine. But 65 to me seems like a lot. I could see this being a little bit more of a grinded out game. That's what Notre Dame is really going to try and do, if you ask me. But ultimately, I think USC is more talented. They are at home. I think they're going to find a way to get it done. So give me USC with four confidence points. Kim, I like what your take here, and this is the the art piece of it, because I agree with you. I, I And, King, you, you made the points, too. I think there's a, a, a real path here for Notre Dame to get the job done. I'm also just hoping Notre Dame gets the job done, guys, because USC, King, back to the preseason, they were the team I hated in the Pac-12. Uh, I was pretty adamant. I, I said betting on them to, to make the playoff or win the national championship is just throwing your money away, I think is what I said. Like, there's just no way that's happening. In year one, the defense needed to improve too much. Were all the offensive toys going to gel on that side of the ball? Um, I said, I don't think they're going to make the Pac-12 championship game. Now, my numbers ended up having them projected third when it all came said and done in, in August. So I wasn't that far off, but they're already in the Pac-12 championship game. We'll see who they play in that game. I'm hoping USC doesn't make the playoff because I don't want to have to eat my words. Um, hey, you, if they win their next two, they have a very strong case and credit to them. I still don't hate my process. I think they've had the turnover luck this year. It's just been outrageous. It, 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 Every single week, it seems they are uh, catching breaks that you're like, hey, if you play this game over, they wouldn't catch it. But that's the way they, that's the way it went. The one time they played, and so 
I have USC power rated number 14, guys. I have Notre Dame power rated number 18. On a neutral field, I think this is very, very close. At USC, my numbers have uh, the Trojans by four and a half. I am going to take USC. I'm taking them with six confidence points because that's what the numbers say relative to the other ones. But, Kev, as I'm moving forward here and trying to incorporate more art instead of just science, I think this is kind of one of those games where I would tweak my confidence and or switch the winner that I think we, we could have here. So for the purposes of the competition, I'm sticking with the numbers. I'm taking USC for six. But I would not be surprised at all if Notre Dame comes out of L.A. with a win. And I wouldn't be that upset about it either if we're being honest. This is We Hate Your Team. I said I hated USC at the beginning of the year. I'm sorry, USC. It's not personal, but... You're making me look kind of dumb at this point, so I, I got to get something back here. Um, to recap this one, Kiev on the island this time, Kinger and I taking USC, myself for six, uh, Kinger for four, Kiev taking the Irish for one in the upset. King, we're going to the Mountain West Conference. We've got Air Force going on the road to San Diego State. What's Vegas think about this? And then let's hear your thoughts on this game first. Yeah, real quick here. Air Force minus one and a half on the road over under 44. San Diego State has some momentum going here, but ultimately I think the Air Force is just better on both sides of the ball. They're the best running team in the Mountain West. San Diego State State defense has been good, but I think Air Force has too much. I think they're going to wear them down as the game goes on. Jalen Baden on that San Diego State offense has definitely improved from what they were. Air Force, a little shaky at times, but I think they're going to be able to contain them. I still don't think he's accurate enough. They're too one-dimensional. I'm leading Air Force here, and I'm going six confidence points. I'm going to join you on Air Force, Kinger. I'm going to take the Falcons for seven confidence points. I have Air Force number 59, power-rated San Diego State 93. It's a 67% win probability straight up for Air Force. The Mountain West uh, Championship game already solidified. It's Boise State, Fresno State, so uh, no conference championship uh, implications in this game. Kiev, you with us on Air Force, or are you, you feeling San Diego State? I am not with you on Air Force. San Diego State knows how to play the option, and they've won nine of the last 10 games against Air Force. It's just one of those situations where they know how to stop it. That's why the line's so low. That's why you think That's the exactly line's so low. the line's so low. San Diego State's yeah. a team that seems to get better and better. Yeah. I do have Air Force power rated to get a couple of, I have Air Force favored by two points, so it's probably have about you know three or four to five points even better depending upon what I do score San Diego State for their home field. But it, it, it looks to me that San Diego State's just going to keep continuing to stop the option. And once the option is stopped, Air Force is stopped. I'm taking San Diego State with five confidence points. All right. I like that. To recap, Kinger and I on Air Force, I'm on them for seven, Kinger for six, and Kiev taking San Diego State for five. Final game that we're going to pick, guys, it is the Apple Cup. We've got Washington going on the road. They still have a chance to make that Pac-12 championship game. They need an Oregon loss. Washington going on the road to play their rivals, Washington State. I'll take it first, but Kinger, what's Vegas think? Washington is a two-point favorite on the road, over under 61. So I have this game as a pick Um I see it as a 52% win probability for Washington, so I do lean on Washington in this game. It's the highest I've had Washington power rated all year. They're up to number 23. Uh, Same for Washington State, though. They're up to number 40, so both of these teams are at their highest power rating ranking of the entire season. In these cases, I would think these teams would regress back to the mean, but if they're both regressing, it's who regresses more. I just trust Washington a little bit more here. Um, I know they've got to go on the road to do this or to, to play this game. Washington's only lost two games, guys, all year. Now they were both on the road. It was at UCLA, no shame 
Fame in that one. The Arizona State loss, still a little baffling back in week six. Um, but I just trust Washington to get it done. They are playing for their Pac-12 championship game lives in this game. Uh, actually, I think they'll know by this point if they still have a chance or not because I believe Oregon, Oregon State is a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, so if Oregon loses and Washington wins, they find themselves in Vegas. So I'm taking Washington. I like them in this game at a pick them. So uh, give me Washington, and I'll take them for one confidence point. So, I mean, I like Washington State. They did upset my Badgers um, in that game, and – Wisconsin did outgain them, but just, you know, completely choked it away. Wisconsin kind of turned into the Nebraska of <laughs> of the Big Ten somehow with a massive yards per play advantage. But when you look at yards per play, you've got a yards per play advantage here. Washington's at 1.14 net yards per play. Washington State's at 0.38. Washington State just beat up Arizona bad and Arizona's defense ranks, well, 131st, last, dead last in the success rate. So you can't give them too much props for that. But I got I just absolutely love what Kalen DeBoer has done for this Washington team. And Penix was uh, one of his pupils back, I believe, when he was in Indiana, when Penix had his actually good year then. So um, I, I think that Washington owns this matchup. I am a little bit worried about their defense, but you also have to understand that Washington is has the higher talent in this situation. It's also in the same state. They're sixth in offensive success rate. Washington State is just 62. I like Washington here. My confidence on it is at six. All right, Kinger. Yeah. Penix, man. Didn't like him at all at, at IU. It's tough to root for any Indiana guy in, in my position. But Washington, this is a fun, fun team. Uh, really liked what DeBoer has done with him, you know, with this Husky offense. This is going to be a tough battle on the road. Washington State, I believe they are going to put up a tough game at home. This is top five Pac-12 defense. But I think there's enough holes in the secondary. This is an extremely explosive Washington passing game. I don't think Washington State is going to be able to keep them contained for an entire game. You know, can the Cougars score some points this week? I do think there is, you know, a likelihood that they will be able to to move the ball on this Washington defense, but I still like some of the playmaking in Washington secondary. I don't think Washington State has a complete enough offense here, right? They've really stalled at times this year. So it is a road game, a little bit higher, but this is the last number that I got. So give me the Huskies for seven confidence points. All right. So to recap this one, we are all on Washington. Kinger for seven, Kiev for six. I am taking the Huskies for one. So that wraps up the Pick'em competition, guys. Um, King, as we always do, let's end with some best bets from you, and then I know we're both excited to hear what Kiev has to think about any, uh, he called them smelly lines earlier. What do you think about these tasty lines, maybe? I don't know. We'll see. King, what do you got? Good one there, Kelly. So I mentioned I'm I'm on Duke plus three and a half at home. You did good there. I'm on Duke plus three and a half at home. You, what was your uh, line there, Kelly? Uh, I have Wake Forest by three and a half. So, uh, yes, okay, so right, right on, on the yep. dot. Uh, this, to me, seems like my brain's telling me I should potentially be going the other way with this. But I think Texas laying eight and a half at home versus this spiraling barrel team, Baylor team, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take the Longhorns. they got to win this game this weekend. Baylor really has not looked very good these last few weeks riding this three-game losing streak. I really like this Texas front seven to limit – Baylor, what they can do in the rushing game. They've been strong against the run all season long. Shapin, he's just not the guy for Baylor. I don't believe that. 
Big 12, a lot of close ball games, but I think there's some extra motivation for Texas there. So give me the Longhorns to cover at home there. I like the Longhorns by 12, Kings. So I'm with you. All right, last one. Big 10 play of the week for me. This is the game over in Maryland on Saturday. Rutgers is getting 14 at Maryland. This is going to be a rainy and cold day out east. Now, Maryland riding three-game losing streak. Rutgers riding four-game losing streak. They are coming off back-to-back bangers versus Penn State and Maryland. But this is a Maryland team that has absolutely – they've not beaten anybody of significance by any major margins this year. Rutgers, they're pretty decent on the defensive side of the ball. I think Maryland's offense may be a little bit disappointing to some this season. This feels like a grinded-out game. I think 14's too much. Maryland hasn't proven they can beat anybody. So I'm going to take the underdog there. I'm going to take Greg Schiano and that defense getting two touchdowns. My numbers like Maryland by 16, King. However, it's the lowest I've had Rutgers power rated all year. So I do expect them to play a little bit better than the numbers are suggesting right now. So uh, I wouldn't go with you, but I also don't hate that one. I think we could see that one get covered, as you said. I have Maryland 16, 16 and three quarters. So I'm, I'm with you little out of it as well. But those are the three. We're going to expand the card, obviously, as the week goes on. But those are the three that I'm riding with to start. All right. Kiev, what do you got for us this week? <clears throat> well, what will you guys do if you got your hearts ripped out from you? You'd probably go to bed, right? <laughs> yeah, I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be happy. It'd be tough to move forward without the heart. Well, we're looking at Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's plus 14. The total in this game is 66. Hennett Hooker, say what – it's just devastating, man. I mean, with what this kid did for this team. But I also, I mean, he was a front runner for Heisman. But that just means that he means so much to this line and so much to this team. You saw Tennessee's defense, and maybe they do show up a little bit more this week because of the embarrassment last week. But the Vols are toast. They can't make the college football playoffs. They can't really improve their bowl that much. I guess they have an outside shot at a New Year's Six Bowl, but New Year's Six Bowls usually go to you know teams that are making it and losing in the uh, conference championship game. You know they they're not going to be in the conference conference championship game after that Georgia loss. Now it's really almost sad. But they, but then again, you look at Vanderbilt. This is the best Vanderbilt team I've seen since, seen since Jay Cutler, man, and I might be better than that. I've been riding Vanderbilt this year, and they've been cashing tickets, man. I, I, I don't think Joe Milton's any good. I've seen him play at Michigan. You know, he's not. He's the backup for Texas. Uh, he was, he's the backup for uh, Tennessee now, um, as you know. And um, I don't think he can put it together. And I just struggle to see how Tennessee's going to get up after this total devastation. Not only lose their quarterback, they're out of uh, playoff contention. I actually had them getting in the playoffs if, even if, if Michigan lost or possibly if Ohio State lost even. I think I had them jumping them, but not no more. Um, I just think the Commodores can make a bowl with five wins here. This is a massive spot for this team. This spread is way too big in this situation. I watched them play Florida last week, and they looked good. They did leave. They did kind of go into prevent at the end and give up a few TDs, but still, this team should be able to cover this. I like Vandy plus the 14, and I'm going to do that for two and a half stars. That's one of my best bets. 
Absolutely love it. Vandy is a team, like you said, this could be the best Vandy team since the Jay Cutler era. I, I, I love the play. They're coming off an amazing win. Back-to-back -back wins. They spoil Mark Stoops' uh, um, contract extension, as it turns out. And then they get Florida uh, at home there. So, yeah, it's, that's, I, I like the play, Cam. Awesome. Sounds good. What's Illinois at now? Uh, King, you got the current line on the Illinois game? I can tell you what my numbers think about it here. Yeah, it's uh, Illinois is laying 14. Oh, my, okay. My numbers say Illinois should be laying 12, so I'd take Northwestern to cover that one. Yeah, I, I took Illinois at 12 and a half, and now it's at 14. So I'm going to go somewhere else here. Let's go to Missouri. Missouri, a big team here, and they're about to squash my under five and a half season win total because they are <laughs> also vying for bowl berth here. Arkansas coming off that big, easy win against Ole Miss. And, you know, K.J. Jefferson played his, a really good game, and you can't take any way, anything away from him. But also at the same time, you know, this Arkansas team has been very disappointing in the past. They only rank 87th in defensive success rate, 113th against the run. This Missouri team has actually vastly improved their defense. You know, they, they've been battle-tested. If you watch that Georgia game, they were in that game for almost the whole thing, and they had a really good shot to beat Georgia. Missouri's defensive success rate, 25th. Defensive rushing success rate, uh, 21st. This is the first time Missouri's been positive in net yards per play at .1. Well, Arkansas is actually minus .08 in net <laughs> yards per play. Missouri at home, vying for bowl berth. Arkansas just got their big win. They're in the bowl. Take Missouri plus the three points. Best bet. I'd do it for two and a half stars. Love it. My number's right there at three, but I'm with you with the dynamics and what's at stake and coming down from that high last week for Arkansas. I absolutely see the play there. King, you going to be adding any of these to your card, you think? I know you got to think about them. Yeah, the Missouri, the Missouri play makes a lot of sense to me. And, and again, you know, the emotion that Vanderbilt or the emotion that Tennessee was riding in the, in the challenges that they're facing on the road, Vanderbilt big cover last weekend. Can they do it two weeks in a row? I'm still not at the point where I can get myself to fully trust Vanderbilt, but I see the value there as well. That's absolutely, you know, two touchdowns is a lot in any game for a home underdog like that. Love it. Well, Kiev, anything else you want to, any other games you want to touch on there? You've given, you've given our <laughs> listeners some great tips here for free. So don't feel like you're giving running a charity, but anything else you want to say here? It's just going to be a wonderful weekend of football, man. I just can't wait to watch all these games. Starting with Thursday, you know, you got the uh, oh. uh, the, the Egg Bowl, you know, in Mississippi State. Oh. That's going to be wonderful. Also, big storyline, this reporter announces that Lane Kiffin's yeah. going to Auburn right before the Egg Bowl. It's like, what the hell? Are you and that reporter was oh. right about Auburn's hire of yeah. their athletic yeah. director, too. So you have to understand that this guy – has been accurate before. Lane Kiffin, of course, denies it to the grave, but you don't know. You know, it's not like a coach can deny it because they're always in contract negotiations. They're not going to say, I am for sure staying because it's stupid to say their agent would slap them for that, you know? So yeah, it just yeah. put a lot more, uh, it moved the line from three to two and a half. Some people say that there is value on Ole Miss after the embarrassments and stuff, but I, I think Mississippi State with Leach is 
very capable team. This is always like a one or two point game. So I'm just excited to watch it. I, I'm probably going to live bet it. Whoever's down by seven, I'm probably going <laughs> to live bet that, that side, you know, in this game and just have some fun. Maybe you got to go back and forth and set up some really nice middles for yourself by doing that. So I'm just excited for a, a massive venue in college football, you know. Um, it, it's uh, it, Thanksgiving, like I said, rivalry week, just like you said, Kelly the best in college football that there is. Um, super excited. We already hit on the biggest games. I want to wish everyone the best of luck listening to this show. And hey, if you want to check us out at the Ozbreakers, we have free information for you. I always do a box score analysis podcast. So you don't have to do that crap yourself. Just do it in your car. Or maybe when you're on the way to the gym or working out at the gym is where I listen to a lot of podcasts. And um, you know, just digest that. There's plenty of free stuff. And of course, if you want to support us and become a member, great. You know, I mean, we we, we would love to have you, but uh, you don't have to. You know, just uh, being a fan of ours is all we ask for. So uh, big fan of this show. Uh, really appreciate you guys bringing me on. Yep, this is a real pro's pro for all the gamblers out there. This guy does it right. You can tell he's got a lot of great wisdom, a lot of great content for everybody out there. Kiev, appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun having you on. I'm, I'm, you're added to the list of guys that I can learn from here. I just got to keep following <laughs> in your footsteps. Thank you so much, Zach. That's amazing. Uh, Kiev, you said it. Rivalry Week is the best. Kiev, you are the best. I know you just touched on it there a little bit, but just say it one more time for everybody. One, where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they find your content with the Ozbreakers? Just one more time for everybody so they can take it down. Hit all the things you need to hit. Theodsbreakers.com is the website. You can find the podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, any of the major podcast plays. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. I do probably a little more tweeting from at the Oddsbreakers, which is the website and the business's Twitter handle. But we are there for you. We love talking. We love talking about the games. We live, sleep, eat, breathe, sports betting. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. I just love the discussion in general. So we are here for you guys. That is Kiev O'Neill. Again, you can find him on Twitter and online at all of those places. Kiev, thank you again so much. You've been fantastic. We've really appreciated this. If you're still listening, we appreciate you. Uh, please, please, please have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football, the family, the fun. It's going to be amazing. Uh, it's rivalry week, guys. It doesn't get any better. So until next time, enjoy week 13, rivalry week of the 2022 college football season. <laughs>